Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to the Legendarium Podcast, and especially thank you this week to Cinemark Theaters, especially Cinemark in Station Park, uh, that's in Farmington, Utah. We appreciate them hosting us for the the uh, Hobbit premiere this week. We had a great time, interacted with a lot of people, and took a lot of good photos. If you'd like to go check those out, uh, go to our Facebook page, and if you want to see the short written review uh, that we all contributed to, you can go to our website, thelegendariumpodcast.com. Thanks again. Welcome to the Legendarium. In this episode, the Legendarium Brain Trust attempts to review The Hobbit, the Battle of the Five Armies, but ends up battling it out over the White Council scene. Freaking Asian horror movie Galadriel. Hey, everybody! Welcome, welcome, welcome. That was three welcomes for the three of you. How you guys doing? Hey, good, Craig. Good. I am Craig Hanks, and let's meet our panel this week. You know them, you love them. First, on my left, the fur on his feet is so lush, his ancestors were once hunted by trappers in the Rockies. It's Ryan Bruckman. It's true, I have my great uncle on my wall. <laughs> He's as smooth as a vanilla latte, and it costs about the same to take him home from a Starbucks. It's Ken Johnson. I have two dozen teenage girls at my house. I know exactly how Thorn feels. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> He's going crazy. Are they very short teenagers? There's a lot or? of places that that could go other ways. <laughs> there, just let that go. And you know, it's weird, you guys, but birds never fail to appear whenever he is near. It's Todd Awenti. Just like me, they want to be close to me. Uh, I'm not sure why that works. <laughs> that didn't work at all, Todd. Um, so, first things first, I'm a craftsman. Um, no, that's a Weird Al song. What? Um, you need to listen to Weird Al. This is true. Um, He's handy. That's true. So handy. <laughs> I'm uh, so handy. All right. You already <laughs> know. Uh, okay, we were done with that 10 seconds ago. <laughs> nope. No, we weren't. <laughs> so. Did that match the record for oh. Descent podcast? <laughs> you know. If I, we break I'm, the minute mark without ruining things, we're, we're, on, we're, a good, good. we're on a good run. I'm going to have to break this out a little early today, but I hate you guys so much. And that's what we were working for. Who had that Who had that yeah. time stamp? What, what was that? All right. So let's do a little housekeeping. Uh, first of all, uh, a huge apology, big, big, fat apology for uh, last week's episode, which was the throwback to me and Ryan uh, talking about The Hobbit last year. Uh, mostly because it was terrible. <laughs> it was so bad. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Terrible it was, was the right oh, word. I don't know, man. Um, it's a fantastic sleep aid. That oh, episode that's, is that a fantastic is. sleep I, aid. Um, okay. Can I be honest? I haven't even made it through the whole thing, Ryan. I I, I tried. Mm-hmm. I made it up right up to the Mexican hat dance that we threw in in the middle of it. And wait, what? Did I not remember? <laughs> I must have blocked something out. Because <laughs> we listening to it again. So we so we recorded our thoughts prior to watching it. Then we went and watched it and recorded it again oh, later. Yes. And we had this weird like. Yeah, well, it wasn't the Mexican hat dance. I don't remember what it was. We had an intermission bit of music. Yes. Anyway, I got. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I enjoyed it. Well, a lot. The three segments I listened to were great. Three segments. Well, I don't know what that means. Um, anyway, so, yeah, it was it was pretty bad. But on the bright side, we do have some good episodes out there. So if you're brand new to the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, the Mistborn episodes have been pretty big. Uh, people are enjoying those. I know we enjoyed making them. Uh, so <laughs> if you are new to the show, uh, then go read Mistborn. And if you've done that already, go listen to our podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't do them in reverse order. Otherwise, you'll be disappointed. That is very true. 
Um, under no circumstances should anybody spoil the end of any of those books. No. And um, if anybody looks at you and says, just wait until book three, just punch wait until face. book punch three. Punch him in the face and then wait till book three. <laughs> <laughs> um, and speaking of new listeners, uh, we had a great week this week. Um, first of all, a huge thanks this time to uh, Cinemark. Uh, Cinemark Station at Station Park in Farmington uh, allowed us to set up camp for the Hobbit premiere. So we were there in their lobby for hours on end, uh, meeting and greeting many new people. So much joy was had. Yeah, I had a great time. Got a um, lot of great pictures on our Facebook page and on the website. Oh man! So yeah, we appreciated seeing a lot of you guys down there. Uh, so if you are uh, an existing listener and we saw you there, it was wonderful. And if you are a new listener uh, who met us there, uh, that's great. We are glad to have you. And uh, please forgive the sucking in advance because uh, we are not professional. It's what makes us endearing and adorable. Is, we that, don't... is that it? I see. I, and I thought it was my butt chin. We don't usually suck in advance. Wow, there's so many ways this goes bad. Todd, uh, yeah, not Todd. You're Ben. Ken. That's <laughs> even worse. You're, you're confusing us? <laughs> yeah, wow, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Poor you. <laughs> um, so, it, you know, there there were some things that we recorded uh, while we were there at the theater. Uh, the intention was to go ahead and record an episode before we watched. Uh, just kind of something random. Now, the quality of what we recorded, I think, was such that it will probably never see the light of day. Uh, so... Uh, unfortunately, we won't get that, and I apologize. But uh, hopefully last week was enough to tide you over and, like you said, put you to sleep. Um, but Actually, uh, you said that. <laughs> but we will be back in full force uh, in a bit. We're going to be taking a little bit of a hiatus for Christmas break, hopefully not more than a week or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll be back in January. Uh, I am going to go on vacation and read The Time Machine and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Oh, you're going to be an overachiever and read them both. Uh, that's. I mean, I'm going to read them both anyway. I okay. might as well okay. read them both now. So if you want to uh, stay caught up with again? us. Again, yes. <laughs> if you want to stay caught up with us and uh, get ready for our sci- Heroes of Sci-Fi uh, podcast series coming up, uh, then go read at least uh, The Time Machine and 20,000 Leagues um, and... It, we'll go from there. Neither of which should take near as long as reading even one of the <laughs> Mistborn. Right. Yeah, Time Machine's like a hundred pages. It's very short. Yep. And so. twenty thousand leagues under the sea is only about uh, is only about a two hundred and twenty something like that. Right. So. Yeah, I can knock one of those out just on the drive. So, you read while you drive. <laughs> that does not seem safe. <laughs> he he lives in a liberated house. He will be reading while his wife does the driving. There you go. Um, yeah, <laughs> I would say nothing about right. Craig is liberal, so I wouldn't even go Liberated, liberated. Got it. I am liberated. Um, from no, never mind. <laughs> I'm not so. going to use that joke. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Other housekeeping. We will be in Kaysville coming up in January. Kaysville, Utah, at Hajimaji Games. Uh, the date is yet to be determined, but we will keep you updated either on a subsequent podcast or on the Facebook page. Uh, we're going to be there at Hajimaji Games because... Am I saying that right? Hajimaji? Hajimaji. <clears throat> uh, we will be there because Ryan and I, uh, nerds that we are, have never, ever played 
Dungeons and Dragons. Welcome to my world, so, noobs. Todd, live under a rock. Todd, who is at least <laughs> what I'd say three, four generations ahead of us uh, in life, uh, he's very, he's very old. I was waiting for like eons or something like that. <laughs> you were going very for. weathered. Um, I was here when D and D was invented, children. <laughs> so he's going to be walking us through. I think Ken might join us as well, but uh, we you hope think? to have. What? We hope to have more than just the four of us there. So if you are in the vicinity, drop by Hajimaji Games whenever we do that. Again, we'll keep you updated. I just want to have people prepared for that coming up. It'll be on a Saturday. I so. want you to know I am already pulling out all of my old books and shields and uh, screens and getting my dice warmed up. It's going to be a delightful time, You know, the, the at one, least for me. The thing I'm excited for is, uh, did you guys ever read Ready Player One? Anybody? Anybody? No, yes. it's on the to-do Fantastic list. book, but the first boss guy, I think, is a Dungeons & Dragons villain. Is that right? I don't, I don't recall it. Uh, anyway, I'd have to go back and read it. So, anyway, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so, lastly, uh, before we get started, um, <coughs> just a quick heads up. This is a Hobbit episode, so if you're already all Hobbited out on this podcast, because uh, we've already done two Hobbit episodes, <laughs> if you think about it. <laughs> Um, then too bad. Uh, deal with it, because we're doing The Hobbit again, because the Battle of the Five Armies came out this week. That's what we were doing at the theater in the first place, not just to shake hands with you fine folks, but to go watch the movie. <laughs> That's so, not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, and spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. You know, yeah, spoiler alert. Do we need Honestly, to do spoiler alerts for this? Because, it's I mean, the Hobbit. yeah. It's, it hasn't, uh, there's been quite a bit of debate as to when is it okay to start talking and posting spoilers, things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say for for our purposes, one week, it's after a week, we can probably say whatever, but I think we should still throw a spoiler alert on there for now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. It doesn't mean we're not going to talk about it. It just means you've been warned. Okay. Right. Now that you've been warned, Feely and Killy die. Um, uh, Legolas and Tauriel don't hook up uh, Bilbo goes home Smog dies uh, Gandalf is old Yeah, I think that about covers it All um, right, so. Pretty close, yeah pretty Well, close. thanks for joining us Anyway, uh, <laughs> next week on The Legendary <laughs> So, let's A bunch of kids in junior high just thanks and thank you for their book report <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so let's and the door to Bilbo's house is green. So as long as you can get some of those details in, you will pass that reading test. There you go. Now I know there is going to be a lot of contention coming up in in this episode. <laughs> so let's start on a little bit of a lighter note. Um, let's talk about some of the things we all enjoyed. Um, if, uh, for instance, Lake Town getting the crap burnt out of it. Oh, oh my man! Uh, how excellent was that scene? That yeah. There, there. Whenever I watch a, a a film that has dragons as part of the part of the process, I'm watching to see how they turn out, how they make this process run, and I have always been disappointed until this film, and it was magnificent. It's what a dragon should be. Right? Oh, if anything else, Peter Jackson knows how to make a dragon burninating oh, the man. countryside and and it just it wasn't just the it, it wasn't just the flying and the and the breathing of fire although that in and of itself was cool enough it was then the the scene where he where smile glands and begins to talk to bard and you can see him breathing and you can see um, the furnace all, heating up everything just it, it was it was 
it, it was absolutely what I had expected to see every time I imagined mm-hmm. dragons doing their thing. Ooh. Ryan, thoughts? I, I absolutely agree with Todd on that. Uh, it is usually when you watch a dragon spit fire in a film, uh, there are some things that catch on fire and you get little burning stuff going on around. It was incredible to watch Smaug as he was flying over. It wasn't fire from his mouth so much as it seemed to be just spewing almost a lava napalm type thing across the entire thing. And it only took him a few moments to engulf the entire town, which was just... You would expect almost in most films that at least part would be spared. But no, the entire thing no, is it, in flames within a matter of moments. Yes. And, and really it should. I mean, when you see the size of the town and the size of the dragon... That thing's going up fast, and it does go up fast. Yeah, it did. And I, I, every little detail about how the fire is generated and all of the little movement and stuff that uh, that goes on in smog as he's about to, you know, breathe the fire. I just every little detail. One of the things is that precise, I, and I love it. Yeah, and I and I love the fact that I mean, again, having having read the book, knowing exactly what I was looking for on on Smaug's chest, that that space where he was going to be vulnerable. Watching as he as he breathes in, begins to heat up the furnace. It shows throughout his entire body, except for that one little spot. Peter Jackson did a magnificent job of using the technology that we have now to tell this story in a visual, visceral way, and I loved it. I agree. Yep. And, you know, we talk a lot, uh, Ryan is a huge proponent of this idea that uh, that different media are different media. Uh, the written word is different from, you know, the visual cinema. Well, I don't know how to finish that sentence. Anyway, but um, where was I even going with this? Oh, yeah, but there was, so there's a change made. In that Smaug speaks to Bard. Mm-hmm. Bard's son is there, uh, a made-up son who's never mentioned in the book. Yeah. Which was interesting. Now, uh, and I will taken. say, yeah, Liberty's Liberty's taken. taken. Now, there will be things in this podcast where, especially Ryan is going to be like, oh, Craig's a book purist. He's, you know, <laughs> yeah, he's just a jerk when it comes to, to film. And I, I don't feel that way in my heart. And this this is one of those things that justifies that feeling. I enjoyed that departure. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a, a nice little scene uh, when when you get a little bit more of Smug talking, uh, reminding you that you know what a villain he is, mm-hmm. and you know until he gets shot, and you get that nice little interplay between Bard and his son um, while he's uh, using him to steady the arrow. Great stuff. Um, so was it, it? It was different from the book. But it wasn't wildly different. It was it was like you took what was there and expanded on it a little bit, um, but not in a way that I felt was un- unwarranted. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it still kept with the spirit of the book. Yeah. I'm with you, by the way. Watching him fall after he gets shot, that is how a dragon should fall. Oh, yeah. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, we, we posted a few of our favorite things about the movie on the website. So if you go to thelegendarianpodcast.com, the you can hear a few of our, uh, a few snippets of our uh, favorite and least favorite things about the film and that was one of mine i loved he's flying up he's wounded and then he dies and falls back to earth and that visual of yeah of the cartwheeling per- with the wings flapping and, and he's he's this limp dragon and partly it was what you said todd this is exactly what i want a dragon to look like mm-hmm. it wasn't just a good shot but it was oh finally Somebody made a dragon. Yep, yep. And the dragon is 
falling down to earth and is about to crush this town. And you know, awesome. I, I give, I give, uh, it's, it's not meant as a disrespect to anybody, any, any, uh, artists that have tried to do this before. It's just that I think that technology has evolved to the point where it was possible to do this one scene, this one character justice. He's the Gollum of the 2010s, right? <laughs> oh, boy. Wouldn't that be fun to see him show up at the Academy Awards? <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch coming in as Smaug. Hey, if he can show up on Colbert, he can show up at the Academy Awards. Um, so, uh, you guys, uh, what about your favorite scenes? Uh, something that's not going to make me lose my ish, Ryan. Favorite scenes? Oh, favorite scenes. I know we just wrote a piece on this, but I still struggle as I go through it, uh, just trying to visualize a favorite moment in there. I, I, I did pick out a few. One, we've already touched on Bard and his son. What a beautiful father-son moment when he turns it, when he's looking at his son and his son's trying to kind of look back at, no, look at, look me. at me. Yeah, Look at me. Great. I was like, that right there is the most beautiful storytelling of father-son trust. Uh, I just, in this total terrifying moment, you know there's a dragon coming behind you. I thought it was beautifully done. Um, the all of the army sequences that are not involved in actual battle, where we just see them lined up, it's kind of I, to a lot of us it's lost its wonder because it's like yeah we've seen this a few times now in different movies. To me, especially doing the the visual design stuff that I do that I like to do and that I like to work in, I look at that and just go, wow, that's not just copy and paste. That is some serious work that went there, and I just I'm amazed by the visual beauty of this this production i i was actually um this is an incredibly mild complaint this is not i wouldn't even register it as a complaint but it did take me out a little bit of the story with the armies especially the elf army they move so in unison yeah that it's i couldn't help but think of like maybe they're a hive mind or something in in peter jackson's head but Without any, um, without any auditory clues or cues, mm-hmm. they all move in unison. And I, it, every time they did that, I just thought, no. I mean, I know you're elves and everything, but so, they're they're telepathic. Oh, come on. Several hundred years of drilling I guess they, I guess that. they are telepathic in Peter Jackson's universe. So. That was one of my favorite things about the book, actually, was the, the – pre- not the book, sorry, the movie mm-hmm. – was the, the precision and the uniformity and the propriety, I mean, very proper – uh, way that the elves marched and that they moved as an army versus here come the dwarves and they are just <laughs> here comes Billy Connolly <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> and they are just there. I think I think Ryan and I looked at each other and just grinned when we heard Billy Connolly, <laughs> I love Billy Connolly. <laughs> but they're they're just you you can see the dichotomy between the the two I mean they're they're designed to be completely polar opposite. I mean, the, the dwarves come in. They're but, gruff. They're crude. They're rough. They're mean. They're how cool, they still had an organization, cool was but the, they had an organization. But it was like a, you know, it's an organization based on this is what we want to do. Rawr, you know, fight. That's all we want to do. Um, how cool was the dwarf wall? <laughs> oh, when, that was oh neat. my god! That put was their, so cool. So uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, they they uh, are facing down the army of orcs. And uh, a, a front line of dwarves comes and slams their pointed shields down into the earth and creates this wall. They put their, their spears through it, and then another line of dwarves comes and puts their shields over it and creates this wall. And Very if Spartan. I, if, yeah, if yeah. I had never yeah, seen that in every, in, in every uh, version of the, of, of the Greek phalanx, so, it would have been totally surprising, but it, so, instead it was about just really the way, neat. Something about the way, the way they portrayed it in this one felt very... Um, like a machine. Yes. That's, you know, it was yeah. like a, a machine of 
uh, uh, what do they call it? An engine of war? Yes. So yes. that's what it felt the, like to me. The coolest part about it, though, and the, the part that actually made me go, oh, my gosh, that was cool, was here they are, the wall, the orcs close in, and all of a sudden the elves come over the top of them. <laughs> like, whoa, that yeah, is great. so freaking that was fun. neat. You know, another good storytelling moment for for me, um, and there were a lot of them, um, but it was, it, for me, the one that, that stood out was Martin Freeman's moment when he looks at Gandalf and he says... I'll carry the message and they won't find me. They won't see me. And there's this exchange of, of looks and of, and, and, and of a depth of, of communication between Gandalf and Bilbo. And as a, as a, as a watcher, as a, as a person who's watched now the, the entire cycle from start to finish, um, you, you see all kinds of little, little subtle um, hints that Gandalf understands what's going on, that Gandalf understands what's what's happening, but also that Martin Freeman does a wonderful job of portraying this nobility of, I signed in, I will do this because they are my friends. And it was really cool. And, you know, there was, um, we, we may get to this later, there was so little character development in this movie. Mm-hmm. There was almost no room for it, uh, especially for Bilbo. He gets one scene where you get to see some change in his character from uh, you know previous movies uh, to this one, and that was it. Yep. And he nailed it. He uh, did. So yeah, yeah I, I might wish that they'd given him more to work with, but what they gave him, he just killed it. Well, and and you know, really, I I had mentioned this to Ryan uh, at the very beginning of the film, watching Smaug die. Um, that was where I thought the last film should have ended. Uh, or the, the the previous film, I should say. That was that was where I wished the previous film sh- had ended, so that the Battle of the Five Armies was just about the Five Armies. But there were there were some things that needed to be done, character development wise, that had to happen in the previous film to make sure that they had time to tell the rest of the story. I understand. I accept Peter Jackson's decision to cut that differently. Um, and contrary to people saying, I think they were, you know, they were just looking for a way to, to stretch out people's interest or whatever. Um, I think it, it played well with the way that he made the character development process work. The first two movies are about character development and getting to know these characters. And the last one is about what happens when you throw them into this mess and now they have to get their way out. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of uh, a little bit of character development, Thor and Oakenshield, um, has his scene on the floor of gold. Uh, which I I wasn't expecting. Uh, you know, they had that scene in the at the end of uh, Desolation of Smog when the golden statue melts all over Smog, and uh, and then I I forgot about it. I never thought to myself, oh yeah, you know, they could really do something with that room where all that happened. But they did, and it was great. I thought that was a a great little scene. A bit weird, um, as far as the visual way that they told. Mm-hmm. What was going on inside of his mind? It, you know, it, it's a tough pill to swallow visually, uh, but uh, I thought it worked well. I was engaged by it. Yeah, I liked it. I, I liked it a lot. What actually. did you think, Ken? I I liked it, but I thought it was too long. Oh yeah. Well, and and you and I. I mean, this was one of the things that you and I talked about right right there. Is you liked it, and I thought, okay, I'm tired of just just the the whole you know psychedelic trip out. <laughs> Uh, descent into madness or, or, you know, fighting inside his own head. That part was too long. What my, my main complaint going back to, goes back to character development is that I wanted to see less fighting. There was about 20 minutes too much 
war. <laughs> and this this coming from the guy who likes the punching. <laughs> there was there was about twenty minutes too much war, and I wanted to see that twenty minutes developed or devoted to watching Thorin's descent into madness from the start of the movie to the point where he has his uh, come to Gandalf moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yes, did you just good. go there? Wow. That okay. Was, I yeah. did. I did okay. just go there. Come to Eru. Yes. But it's from, from the moment the movie starts to the moment that I, I feel like the first the first part of the movie should have been built on him, you know, succumbing to the dragon sickness and, and gradually going mad. To me, it felt like, okay, movie starts, he's already mad. We, we saw him start to get crazy at the end of, of the second movie. I wanted to see him continue to get crazy. Yeah, I... Yeah. I I could get on board with that. Maybe the change it was a little bit abrupt. Yeah, uh, he starts this movie uh, already crazy. Uh, although I will say one of my favorite moments from the film was at the very, very beginning when all of the dwarves are watching Lake Town burn and they understand that uh, the reason this is happening is because they went into the mountain and chased the dragon out. And now essentially it's their fault. All these people are dying. This town is no more. Um, and what's Thorin doing? He's, he's looking. He's looking, looking for the he's looking stone. back for the at Arkenstone. the entrance yeah. to to the mountain, wanting to get in there and get that treasure. And yeah. I, I loved, I loved that. Yeah, oh, it was yeah. a great little moment. So um, enough of the oh how great oh how wonderful. Let's get to the punching. Uh, this is where we're all going to start punching each other, right? <laughs> oh, okay. Verbally. Well, I'm I'm on. Um, there were some things that were maybe not so great. Now, Ryan. Um, <laughs> Council of White. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> you mean White Council. Well, whatever. Um, Galadriel's magnificent moment. We, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Hang on. <laughs> Before we do that, I, I genuinely want, want to know, Ryan, I know that um, you are much more generous with the mistakes that Peter Jackson makes <laughs> than I am. But no, but I really do want to ask you, is there anything in this that you thought, oh, man, I would really change that? Um, that was a poor decision, either visually or storytelling or, you know, whatever. One scene that yeah, I, that? I can think back or one moment in one scene that I thought, okay, I'm not giving you that one. What's that? Legolas running up the falling bricks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that works if he does it on, like, three bricks that are falling at most. <laughs> he runs up, like, nine bricks that are already disconnected. I'm like, no. No, I don't care that you're an elf. Certain levels of physics don't allow you to run up this. I don't care that you're an elf. But elves are magic. That's fine. You can do it. Like I said, three or four bricks tops, and you're back up and you're ready to go. <laughs> Seven to nine, whatever that you went up. No, that was just gratuitous and wrong. You know now there are people going that are going to go see the film just to count the number of bricks that that happens oh, on. Oh, man. Like Ryan. Yeah. We almost went and saw it again today. Uh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> we got tickets for tomorrow. tomorrow. It's you like know, my wife's favorite movie. I, so. I got to say, you know, don't tell your wife I said this. Um, with the first two Hobbit movies, I saw them both twice on opening weekend. Once, you know, basically the midnight show or whatever the current version of that is, 10 p.m. or whatever. Um, that one, and then once the next day or that weekend, mm -hmm. you know, with family or friends. Um, this one, I'm not sure that I will. Why is that? Um, I didn't like it enough. Really? I wasn't I wasn't engaged enough. Okay, okay. Um, with this one, I got bored earlier um, and mm -hmm. more, which is weird because it was a very exciting movie. Lots of action, lots of stuff happening, um, and the running time was at least a half hour it less, was a half hour shorter than, than the, the other year. two movies. 
but it still felt just as long to me. Yeah, it did. Um, as, so uh, now I, I reserve the right to change my mind, but I, I just don't feel like... I don't feel eager to get back into the theater to watch this. You know, and I wonder if part of that is because it is the conclusion of the cycle. It's it doesn't leave, it doesn't have a cliffhanger. We the the cliffhanger's yeah, done. That's a good point. A good point. And so there's a there's a sense of of finality to seeing it once. Uh, maybe letting it you know maybe letting it uh, age uh, yeah. and mellow will will change that feeling. Of course, I will own the the Blu-rays, and well, I'm sure we're going to. I'll join you in that. <laughs> so let's talk about Galadriel. All right, here we go. Um, this was the moment. Oh, well, hang on. Let me break it down for anybody who hasn't seen the film and doesn't care about spoiler, spoiler alert. Um, the the White Council scene. I was so excited for it. Um, we're told. I can't even remember if it's in the Hobbit or if we're just told in the Lord of the Rings. Uh, but we're told essentially one sentence that the White Council goes to Dol Guldur and chases out Sauron, banishes him, and he flees to Mordor and sets up camp there. Thus begins the War of the Ring. The... There you go. Um, that's not the greatest Mordor theme I've ever heard. Oh, no. Anyway, um, so that's all we get. We know that we know that the White Council goes and chases him out. So, I knew that Peter Jackson was going to be doing something with this and expanding on this scene, and I was so disappointed. Not just disappointed. That's the wrong word. Pissed off. I was pissed off. I continue to be pissed off. I want to rip the hair off of his armpits. Uh, <laughs> I want... No, never mind. Let's not go any further. I Yeah, I'm very mad. What, uh, what about you, Todd? Because um, I know you and I both, uh, we were, the four of us were sitting together. You and I were on opposite ends, and we both leaned over and went, oh, yep. and just smacked our foreheads. Uh, it was... It was... Uh, immensely disappointing to me that I, I, f- I feel like Peter Jackson missed the whole point. Um, the, the, the visuals, the, the visuals of the storytelling, it, that's, that's, that's been his thing. Um, the, it's not necessarily been that, that he has better dialogue or that he makes adjustments mm-hmm. with the dialogue. It's been that he makes it look cool. He was so masterful in the visual storytelling. And in that moment, um, I thought it was all completely wrong. Um, the color schemes that were used to depict Galadriel's power when it shows up um, was reminiscent of every horror film I had ever seen, of every demonic possession that I have ever seen. Um, and maybe I just haven't seen enough, but but <laughs> but uh, I okay. I was I, I've, I felt very disappointed that he chose a palette that reflected death. That reflected corruption, uh, and that reflected um, a a distortion of humanness, rather than an ennobling, rather than reflecting light and life. He could have done the ex- the, the the visuals could have been exactly the same had he replaced blue and white with the gray and green that he used, and I would have been okay, and I probably would have dealt with with some of the rest of the inconsistencies mm-hmm. that, that were in that particular scene a little bit better. You know what it was? It was a callback to her uh, scene I, in The Lord of the Rings. I know, when I know. And, I was, mad at, ring. and yeah. I was mad at it then, too. Yeah. I, you know, that one I have less of a problem with because it's uh, she's portraying, at least in, in that film version, she's portraying what might be, right? 
Um, she's saying, here's what would happen were mm-hmm. I to take the ring. And she appears no longer um, no longer fair and, and white, but dark and, and terrible and uh, unlovely to look upon. Yes. Um, so, yes, I get that we're hearkening back to that. But the whole point is she didn't seize the ring so that right. she would not end up like that. And now we have this story 60 years earlier where... Somehow, without the ring, she has this power that she portrayed later. You know, right? I think you already uh, grabbed so my something there. I don't. I don't buy that explanation. Well, no, no, no. My my point was that that was visually a callback to it, not sure. story, not yeah, not that. in the story. It wasn't a callback to it. Yeah. It, it, but that, listening that just to the makes way it, that makes it all the worse. Yeah, and to listening me. to the See? way you guys analyze it, it does make it worse in that it, it, it's completely wrong for. Now, now it, for know, the scene. I know However, that, that I'm just saying, from I, the storytelling, that's what he was trying to do. I, I know I, that Ryan that. liked this scene, so I want to get Ryan's take um, and uh, and then punch him. <laughs> I first of all want to address your point with um, where in the scene in the Fellowship does it say that that visual of her is what she would be if she took the ring? Uh, that's my interpretation of it. So your interpretation of that has affected and made worse this interpretation. It's not necessarily that it in and of itself. That is a that's that is a personal piece, not necessarily why this is terrible. Okay. Like, if you want to make this terrible on its own merit, you can't involve a bias on that. I I wasn't ever even thinking of that scene uh, until Ken brought it up. So I that, believe it's terrible on its own. I first of all, I will agree, I will say this. I also wish the color choice was different. Mhm. Because I think that she, as a character, would have fit better. It would have been, been better to have the more pure white light yep. aspect, more of the the starlight that the elves love so much to be that. Because as soon as she started changing, my first thought when I looked at it, I'm like, she looks like the the girl from the ring. Yep. And I'm like, I'm not. I don't really like that. Because I agree that this should be brighter. That being said, I'm letting. It's like okay, I feel like your hands are tied because you did this before. Maybe if you made this first, you would look back. And say, if you did this first, you would have chosen a different color palette. But because you showed Galadriel as this flaring her power or whatever it is you want to call in fellowship this way, your hands are tied here to do it this way as well. And I'm not sure that, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to take this that that away. This scene as a whole, and I'm not just talking Galadriel. I know there's some other complaints with like CGI and stuff like that. Um, But this scene as a whole is the equivalent, and you will, your feelings are probably the same as to the scene where Yoda pulls out his lightsaber in episode two. There you go. That's yeah. a nice, nice uh, hmm. draw. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Because it is, a ce- it is a scene where we are getting these incredibly powerful individuals who we have only seen in advisory uh, roles come out and showcase why they are as powerful as they are and why they are the leaders of Middle-earth. And so f- to have the opportunity to watch Elrond bust out his sword, you know, He's one of the few we can actually go and swatch the the the, the, the opening, prologue, the prologue, and see that. But we see Saruman. We see the reasoning for you know the first inklings of Saruman's fall. We get to see Elrond still just kicking trash, and we get to see Galadriel actually you know flexing some power outside of the weird. To me, that moment of fellowship is still. I I I, dis, I thoroughly dislike that scene in fellowship, uh, just because it looks so weird to me. But this scene as a whole gives us that ability to see these characters as these super 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 beings. friends of middle earth yeah super <laughs> friends when their powers combine 
That, and so as I'm watching <laughs> I this... I am Iru Iluvatar. <laughs> as I'm watching the scene, I'm sitting here going, okay, these there's a reason why, as we go down, and this is now a six-movie series. This is no longer the Hobbit trilogy and the Lord of the Rings trilogy. This is now a six-movie series. This is... I know, you're disgusted by that idea, but that is exactly <laughs> what it is. No, and I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing that, with that, right. too. No, I, I get it. I'm not disputing that. And because of that, one of my other complaints is be, if you knew you were going to do that from the beginning combine this with your Lord of the Rings series, then do it the same way visually because you tried to CGI this into a more kid-friendly type thing and it was more dull. Just do what you did in the first in the first ones to, to, to give yourself the consistency across the board. You know, the, uh, the, the spirits of the, of the uh, betrayers in The Return of the King, was it The Return of the King that mm-hmm. we see them? Yeah. Um, they were more... The, the dead army. Yes. Uh, they were more what I was expecting to see, the, the kind of thing I was expecting to see for the, uh, the, the Nazgul yeah. Yeah, in uh, this film. And I was not as pleased because it was not as, I mean, that, and that was. The, the Nazgul, the CGI on those Nazgul was way off. And, and it, it was, was really bad. And, and again, I think I, I, part of what I, you know, when I was watching it, part of what I thought was, oh, that, well, they, they don't quite have their power back yet. Um, you know what I thought of when I was watching them? I could not help but think of uh, the ghost pirate LeChuck and his undead <laughs> uh, crew on his ghost pirate ship. I, it had that same like weird white outline around yep. everybody. It was, yeah, it was no bueno. But um, but having said that, I can I can see a, a, a reasoning behind why he may have made the choice. Um, I don't agree with it, but I can but I can recognize a a set of parameters by which that reasoning mm. is made. Okay, all right. That's that's uh, my chief complaint with the film. Ryan, do you have more to say on this one, or should we move on? With the White Council, I I'm okay to move on. I because I I mean I want to give you fair time here because. You know, I I will spew venom on this for as long as you want. I, I know you gotta stop. probably far longer than we want. Yeah, that's true. I, I know you will. And it, all in all, I I approach this scene simply saying that with the caveat that he's hamstrung a little bit by what he's done before with Galadriel. The, mm. This, mm. He's, listeners, he, I wish you could see Craig's face at this moment in time. <laughs> We're gonna have to start doing some some photos during these sessions. <laughs> He, I, I, I will grant he could have t- he could have made the change as much as he wanted, and then your idea as to the fellowship, the purpose there would make more sense. But as a filmmaker, for consistency purposes, and being that he's connecting all these, I, it's that aside. This scene, if you let it be showcasing the power of those individuals, I think this scene is actually quite quite impressive and quite enjoyable to watch. And okay. it, you know, you get a moment of why, you know. If you ever ask yourself the question, what has kept Sauron from marching up to the point where he finally does, you now have an answer. You now know that these individuals have are strong enough at this point to hold him back. Mm-hmm. So dissatisfaction with the execution, but a pleasure or pleased knowing, seeing that it was executed at all. For story purposes, I am very, I am pleased with what was executed. Again, I agree. Some color choices, just a couple, there one or two minor tweaks makes this scene a totally different ball game. Yep, yep. yep. And I'll tell you what I am glad about in that scene, and that's that Sauron wasn't personified more than he was. Mm -hmm. It was already borderline too much for me, um, because that's that's one of the great uh, mystiques of the the Lord of the Rings, both the book and the film, uh, 
which is that he's never really personified beyond a few moments in the prologue. Um, you know, you you march on Mordor and he's in his tower and then it falls down and that's the end. You know, he's this omnipresent evil uh, watching over all. You know, that's that's a great thing. So I was afraid that they would, you know, have him, you know, take out a sword and go to town on these uh, the White Council. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that, that they didn't. So yeah. cheers to that. I, I want to throw this out uh, to steer your conversation away, and this isn't White Council stuff. Okay, here. thank you. Because um, so, it's been, I think, eight minutes on the White Council. <laughs> Sorry about that, everybody. There are, there are a few... One of the big things for me, if you make things different from a source material, or if you do, or if you decide to add things, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, justify, if you justify your decisions within the context of your story, I'm pretty good with it. That being said, there are a couple things in this that I just cannot understand the justification for. The first being Radagast. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I'm oh, with you. Yeah. And this <laughs> comes from a huge fan of Sylvester McCoy, right? I love right? Sylvester you McCoy. Love I love the character of Radagast in this. I love him in the story because he's funny. He's here. But he makes no He makes no real contribution to the films. Radagast the Brown runs away. He basically, his the whole justification is why should we have Radagast in this? To have someone bring the eagles, to inform the eagles to come. That really was the payoff. And I'm like, no, you need something more if you're going to justify adding an entire additional wizard, you know, in Radagast there. Um, so I, I love Radagast. I think he's, you know, he's an enjoyable character, but I do not think he fits in this story. Well, and I, and I see where, I see where he was coming from on that. You know, you, you, you can't have Gandalf in his weakened state fighting the same fight that, uh, that Elrond and Galadriel, Galadriel and Saruman are fighting. So I get that they bring Radagast in specifically for the purpose of spiriting away Gandalf. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but it amounts to a cameo. Uh, on a character that we had been giving so much lead up to, so I was, I, I was fully expecting Radagast to come in and begin to flex some wizard power as well, and mm-hmm. then run away. I wasn't expecting him to show up with his rabbits just to run away. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from. On I, that. I would bet with the shorter running time on this, I bet there's a lot of Radagast on the cutting room floor. I'm looking forward then to the director's cut. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean maybe we'll get some more in there, um, or at I, least deleted scenes. Yeah, I would hope so. I would hope so. And I had this discussion uh, a little while ago because we were talking about justifying decisions and and the adding of characters and stuff. There is something to be said for um, the perspective from which the story the story is told in the movie and this pr- uh, perspective from the book, because. Uh, you mean the fact that we needed a female, uh, a female eat lead to bring in the rom com crowd and part, make everybody well, happy? Yeah, there, there's. I mean, I'm not going to lie that 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 factor is in there, but the story is told from what perspective? Bilbo's. Bilbo's perspective. At any point in time in the movies, aside from the barrel ride, does Bilbo encounter Tariel? If you talk about the book being from his perspective, he would never have seen her except for in the barrel ride. And therefore adding her, it's not saying she couldn't be part of the story. She wasn't part of the perspective from Bilbo. Nice. Good catch. I didn't realize that. So that's Um, that's some of the justification that I found for her. How long have you been sitting up trying to think of that one? (laughs) I actually thought about it in a different piece we were talking about when we were talking about uh, Lord of the Rings when we're doing our 
original 18 podcast piece, the fact that I was, I was amazed that everything was told from the perspective of Frodo and Sam. And when Frodo gets knocked unconscious, you then progress far into the story when, and you find out when he wakes up, what's gone on. So you have the whole scene where Keely and Feely die and Thorin, um, Bilbo is unconscious for that in the book. He wakes up and they're dead. So everything that occurs in those fight scenes between Azog and them, even though it's not really Azog, mm-hmm. that's in, Bilbo doesn't see that and doesn't mm-hmm. write about Told that in the flashback. Book. Yeah. Okay. okay. Great, great way to tell the story. I'll take in that. The book. I'll take that. Um, and also, well, no, I won't. I won't go on, on with that. Um, so speaking of Tauriel, uh, now that we have all three films, um, and now that we know just how hot Evangeline Lilly is. <laughs> Oh, we knew before. I, I know. Makeup <laughs> Come artist, on, really? makeup artist, please, oh, costume makeup artist, fix the five head. The what? The five head. <laughs> when your forehead isn't enough, you have a five head. <laughs> forehead isn't enough. Well, you have you have too much of a forehead. You have a five. Head. Oh, really? And uh, there was like two scenes in there where her wig was too far back, and she uh, had yes, a terrible yes. five head. <laughs> she did. I, I was I was saying to myself, oh, she's a cone head. This is where the cone heads come from. Uh, they come from elves. I didn't catch. I, I did catch when. Um, when Lake Town is burned and they're all standing there on the shore and she's walking amongst them, they zoom out for that shot. And I go, I, I, I couldn't help but think of Princess Leia saying, aren't you a little short for an elf? <laughs> 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 um, anyway, but yeah. she. So she obviously is gorgeous. Um, five head notwithstanding. Uh, and I thought did a great job with the character she was given. Question: mm-hmm. D- Should the character be there? No, no, no. Ryan should uh, should be there. She is not necessary, but I, I think she fits fine. I just think she didn't. She didn't hurt the movie, but adding the character, I, I think, did a disservice to the story. The character is a MacGuffin. It makes you think that somehow mm-hmm. she is pivotal to things that are going to be going on, when the reality is. She's not. She there is one moment that is supposed to be the payoff for that, and it fails miserably. Yes, it's because my my other complaint is that um, Thranduil changes way too quick his mind, and the only scene that indicates that that would be the one that forces his change is Tariel standing up to him, and then Legolas kind of backing her up. And to me, like that's supposed to be the payoff right there to me of Tariel is. She initiates the change in Thranduil, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's not enough to gen- to to really. I mean, you're hot, but you're not that hot to well, validate this character's existence in this story based on a story purpose. That's not enough. Yeah, no, I agree. No, especially when he's a thousand years old and he's not going to change that quickly. Oh, he's no. a lot older than that, my friend. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> just all elves are a thousand to Ken. Okay. <laughs> because, One, because two, the, a thousand. Because, because his specific age was the point of that. Well, and... and <laughs> I now, hate you so much right now. From, <laughs> from the standpoint of a, of a story, I, I really don't think, from a, from a storytelling standpoint, she's necessary. From a standpoint of keeping the franchise um, relevant... And keeping the franchise interesting for a larger audience, a larger viewing audience, I see why the choice is made, and I accept Ryan's um, uh, premise that it's okay to throw it in because Bilbo wouldn't have cared anyway. Bilbo was too busy doing Bilbo stuff. <laughs> Bilbo stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Ken. I just that's, care to expand. That's just a funny term, Bilbo okay. stuff. He's doing Bilbo stuff. Um, speaking of Bilbo, I 
saw way too little of Bilbo that, in this yes. movie. And, and um, there you go. There's Bilbo. He, stuff. he had a couple good scenes uh, confronting Thorin, uh, confronting Gandalf, going home to the auction. And but again, let's let's remember that in the last 26 pages of the book, because that's about how much this movie took up. <laughs> right. um, he's unconscious, and he's hearing it all later on. He, you know, he does his. He he's involved in a couple of things, but then he gets told later on how these things occurred, and so yeah, he was out of commission for much of the right. story anyway. So what you just told me is that we needed two movies, not three movies. I would be right alongside with you. Okay, because you know when Ryan and I again we go back to our Lord of the Rings series. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Um, not that it was wildly great. We've improved, but it was fun. Um, the, the huge draw of the books and the movies isn't, isn't the War of the Ring. It isn't the politics. It's not the locations. All of those things are wonderful and draw you in and they make a great backdrop for this story. But the story is the people. And the story of the Lord of the Rings is the story of Frodo and Sam and Aragorn and Merry, and Pippin, and the list goes on. It's the story of all these people. The story of The Hobbit is the story of The Hobbit. It's Bilbo. It is Bilbo's story, and so that's why, maybe that this would be why, uh, when I said I'm not wild about going back to see this one again, it's because, you know, I, I've got my Bilbo story. I You know, I, I got a lot of Bilbo in the first two movies and, and can i can i suggest also that you know from a standpoint of having only two movies if we removed the radagast from the first two films mm-hmm. um if we and and i as much as i loved um oh and i can't remember the character's name the werebear Bayorn. um Bayorn. yeah if it, having him swoop in with the eagles that was that you was know, gratuitous and, and that was, unnecessary uh, it, yeah. it, it was nice but if if we remove some of these pieces that are expanded greatly in the film and put them into their proper place within the film as to how long they took um, pages relative to minutes um, we get two really good movies mm-hmm. that tell the story of Bilbo's change from a hobbit who is thoroughly domesticated to what he becomes and what everybody remembers him as very well preserved and very not like a hobbit yeah I agree yep. so uh, Which my, he shows a little of during the during the auction. Oh yeah, it was I great. loved the auction scene at the end. It was yeah, it was a, a, just a little short for my taste. I would have loved a little more lightheartedness at the end of the movie, but um, yeah, I thought they pulled it off pretty well. And it was it was a nice little touch when he grabbed the spoons. Hey, those are my spoons. <laughs> um, well, yeah, maybe it's not that funny if you haven't read the book recently, uh, or if you're not me. Uh, whatever. Um, Fool of a took. So, um, you guys have anything else that you want to say uh, before we sign off on this one? There um, was far too little bard in this movie. Okay, yeah, good, Ken. I, yeah, there I remember was, you said that earlier. I, you know, and I, I realized that, you know, the movie is not the book. And so, you know, he... Yeah, but you get to have your favorite characters. But you get to have your favorite characters. And there was just not... Luke Evans, every scene that he is in, I dare say he is the best actor in that scene. Really? Well, like, he's, the, he's doing the best job in that scene. Mm-hmm. I think I think Bard is the best character in every scene that he is in and there is not enough of him. Once the battle starts and you're not seeing them, it, they're just gone. I mean, all you see the dwarves, you see Headbutton, you see, you know, 
plenty of orcs and then my trolls and the, yeah <laughs> that's my other moment that, that i'm that that's why like, I, I brought it up just for you three but. head hits you can you can headbutt an orc three times and it's funny when you start headbutting six or seven of them in a row it's not funny it's just gratuitous and wrong yeah no it's a hockey game <laughs> but there just there just wasn't enough there wasn't enough bard in this movie I'll for my liking that. there you wasn't know, enough bilbo and there wasn't enough bard you know that what that reminds me of because he was standing next to him in so many scenes in this movie yes the elven king who no. played what's his name uh, the guy that played lee pace lee pace um there have been a lot of casting choices over the last six films um and his is surprisingly one of my favorites now the character mm-hmm. the way they wrote the character you know you may have some complaints with that and uh, a few of the storytelling ideas there but as far as the person cast owning the heck out of their oh, yeah. character i love that it. guy was awesome i was impressed yeah uh he was okay. very compelling to watch on screen i remember there was one moment where um he had his full armor on is you know toward the end of the movie and he's just standing there in his armor i'm like you're the coolest person i've ever seen ever so anyway uh well, lee pace well done sir although all i hear now is i hear thranduil the accuser that's all i hear now <laughs> sorry is, now you will too listener there is one character in this movie that i think gets improportionate uh screen time to his payoff um because he got too much screen time for no payoff whatsoever and that's the stupid little weasel assistant to the master agreed how do you not kill him off in this or ignore him or just yeah that's i him i wanted when when bard dismisses him after the, as 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 they're ga- trying to get the refugees organized, I expected him to slink away, which was the appropriate end for him. If mm-hmm. we're not going to yeah. cut off his head, he he should have he should have disappeared from existence at that moment. But mm-hmm. instead, we see him popping up everywhere, and I'm like, okay, I get it. You're making him a foil, but we don't need. But that. he fails as a foil. He, exactly. He's not even a good foil. Exactly. They keep giving him relevant jobs. Hey, you've got the night watch. Hey, take care of my kids. Why? Yeah. Do you, what and has do you, he ever done to deserve those roles? Do you know who he actually and is he counters better than that? And this this will seem a little weird at first, but Thorin, because he is obsessed with treasure and gold. It's not a sickness brought onto him. It's not dragon sickness. It's just who he is. So when he is the he and Thorin are following a similar path there, um, but Thorin chooses to go one way and finally breaks his breaks the curse, breaks the sickness, decides what's there. This guy chooses the the other. He starts to stuff his, you know, he gets dressed as a woman and stuffs Stuff his, his bra, stuffs his bra with gold and everything. If you're going to have those two go so opposite, then he needs to. Then the the villain there needs to meet the end that Thorn would have met had he chosen to maintain his sickness. Yeah. Well, I agree. Now, you guys, the reason I'm not expounding on that is because I do this every week. Uh, I say, okay, what, what do you say we wrap this up, you guys? And I want you to know, I do that about five to ten minutes early because I know when I say that, you guys are going to go, oh, no, wait, I need to say this thing. Oh. So He's looking right at me as he says that. Well, that's just because you're across from me, Todd. Um, I'm I'm just staring at you all the time, you big, beautiful man. You want to know one of my favorite visuals? In the- uh, <laughs> Ken. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Parting shot from each of us, uh, let me ask you for two responses. First of all, how many swords out of four swords instead of stars? Um, and then second of all, 
for somebody who has is not a huge fan of the books, they're just kind of thinking, oh, I want to go see a movie this weekend, and I saw the first two Hobbits, are you going to recommend that they see this movie? Uh, Ryan, go. Absolutely I, would, absolutely, I would recommend for you to go see this. If you have seen the first two, give yourself the joy of the conclusion. And I would give this three swords and a small dagger. It's not a perfect film, but it's perfect for where it fits in the series. Todd? Uh, absolutely go see the film, and I would give it three swords as well. Okay. I would give it three swords. I wanted to give it three swords and a hilt, but... I, it's just it's it's 20 minutes too long i can't believe i i really wish we would have had the time to talk about this i don't think that there is too much punching in this movie i think <laughs> it feels like there's too much punching but we spend so much time in preparation for punching that the actual amount of punching feels longer than it is and that's, maybe you that's guys just it. said the word punching way too much uh, it's funny that you were the one that advocates the punching and i'm not but i do and, I, I, and, I find and, that about the punchiest thing i've heard all night long and to answer your question absolutely go see the movie and and even more than that <laughs> See, now that it's all wrapped up, see, start at Hobbit 1 and go through Return of the King, and it makes a very nice six-episode story. If you've got two, it, if it you've got three all, days. Yeah, if you've got three days. It, it ties it. It does do a good job. It, being 20 minutes too long, it still does a good job of tying all six episodes together. Craig, mm. your take. Uh, two and a half swords tops, maybe two. Oh. Um, but go see the movie. Okay. I mean, it's... Um, your your question, Todd, on the website, on the post that we put up was, uh, what reason would you give other than that this is the end of the trilogy? And I would just say, no, it's the end of the trilogy. You need to go see it. And, um, and you I, started it, go finish it. I, and I loved... And it's... Now, let me say this. The reason I give it, you know, two or maybe two and a half swords uh, tops is that... And the reason I'm not giving it, you know, one or one and a half is that, yeah, I had a good time. I enjoyed myself. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't like... I wasn't mad that it was made or mad that I saw it. Uh, but, you know, I had a lot of things I disagreed with. Um, but, yeah, fun film. Okay, go see it. So, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, especially, um, no, especially all of you. And a huge thanks again to Cinemark. Um, if you are looking for a place to go watch a movie, uh, go to Cinemark in Station Park. Um I, I don't say that because we're getting paid because we're not getting paid to say that. Uh, oh, no, but we had to beg them to let us go there. They've been uh, <laughs> they've been there for a few years, um, and I've seen many films there now, and it's always been a very comfortable and nice place to go watch a movie. Indeed. Uh, so yeah, if you have a choice, choose that one. We will see you guys in 2015. Um, I am going to go read some sci-fi. And Ryan is going to explode his head because he forgot to say something. I needed to get your input on something. I wanted to get just brief reaction. Oh, Thorin's geez. final words, the the quote from J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, what a way to wrap this podcast. His, his Except he there. changed it a little bit. It is a little bit different. If, if, uh, if what is it, if more people valued home in the, in the film, home over hoarded gold. The world would be a merrier place. So beautiful. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, Thanks for listening, you guys, and we will see you later. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Legendarium Podcast. Make sure you take a minute to subscribe to us on iTunes and now on Stitcher Radio. Like us on Facebook and check out our fantastic website at thelegendariumpodcast.com.